Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If Jesus were to tell this parable today, I think he might get accused of being a conspiracy theorist. Come on, Jesus, really? An enemy? An enemy king. And intentionally sowed weed seeds in your field. Come on, Jesus. Weeds just grow everywhere. Everybody knows that, Jesus. You've been spending too much time in the Galilean sun. It's starting to get to you. Lighten up. Don't be so paranoid. But Jesus wasn't being paranoid. This was happening to him. The Pharisees were actively sowing seeds of opposition and doubt wherever he went. They accused him of being a lawbreaker. They accused him of blasphemy. They accused him of being possessed by a demon. They tried asking him trick questions to discredit him with the people. They tried to get him in trouble with the local authorities. And with all this, they didn't just want to discredit him or shame him. They wanted him gone. In fact, in the chapter of Matthew right after, or sorry, right before this one that contains the parable that we heard today, we read this verse. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy. And there are those doing the same thing in the church today. At least to the church that remains orthodox and scriptural and hasn't caved to the latest cultural fads. There are those who do not just believe and teach differently than the church and the scriptures. But who want the church gone. Who want to destroy it. And so it is said, the church and her teachings on things like marriage and sexuality and the sanctity of life aren't just quaint, old-fashioned, and irrelevant to those who know now better. They are evil, dangerous, and violent. These teachings cannot be ignored any longer. They must be silenced, stopped. Destroyed. But maybe I'm just a conspiracy theorist too. And government is not the answer. It isn't just a matter of getting the right people elected or appointed to guarantee free speech. Because the problem is bigger than that. Much bigger. It transcends countries and governments. It is, as Jesus said... The evil one. Sowing his evil seed. Seeking to destroy Christ and his church. An effort he began in the garden with Adam and Eve. Through the Old Testament to Jesus in the wilderness. And then through the New Testament down to our day and age today. And he's not going to stop. 
And so these weeds of false teaching, of untruths and half-truths are still being relentlessly sown today in schools, in the media, in movies, just about everywhere you look, and it's not accidental. It's intentional to counteract the word of God. That what God calls good, the world calls evil. What God says to avoid, the world chases after. What God says is truth, the world says is stupid and foolish at best and hurtful and dangerous at worst. And these seeds are growing, causing even Christians to doubt the truth of God's word. Christians beginning to themselves ask Satan's original question. Did God really say? That's how dangerous these weeds are. Weeds sown to choke the good plants of God and his gospel. Or to use phrases that are used today to suck all the oxygen out of the church. To dominate the news cycle. That the lie told often enough become the truth. This is why the Higher Things conferences that some of our youth attended last week and some of our youth are attending this week are focused on this very thing, doubt. Is this the truth? Can you be sure? Because Satan isn't going to stop sowing and attacking. A tough world is going to stay tough and maybe get tougher. The weeds aren't going away. That's what Jesus said today, which maybe sounds counterintuitive because wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be better to just yank all those weeds? That's what the workers in the parable thought, and they were probably very gung-ho about it. Yep, we're going to go out and we're going to pull them all up, right? No, says the master. And no, says Jesus. Huh? But aren't they hurting the good plants? Yes. But to pull them up would do even more damage, so leave them be for now. And when the time comes for the harvest, then when everything is gathered up, then the separation will take place, but not now. And maybe the workers are disappointed. Maybe we are disappointed. We want an easier life. One without weeds. But this is the way with Jesus. When, for example, Jesus was teaching his disciples about the cross, Peter said, no, Lord, this shall never happen to you. We're going to yank all those weeds. And Jesus rebuked him. Another time when the people were opposing Jesus and his teaching, James and John came up to them and said, Lord, let us call fire down from heaven and consume them. And Jesus rebuked them for that teaching. And when they came to arrest Jesus, Peter drew his sword to cut down those weeds. And Jesus rebuked him. Jesus' way is not the easy way. 
Jesus' way is not to cut down the weeds, but to be cut down himself. Not to avoid the cross, but to go to the cross. Not to live, but to die. Victory by dying. Now we're used to hearing that. You're used to hearing that. But you're going to have to live it, too. For the evil one and his weeds weren't just going after Jesus. They're going after you, too. And the victory won't be gained by pulling up the weeds, but by dying. Dying with Jesus. Dying to live. Because the victory isn't ultimately a life here and now. Or an easier life here and now. Or a weedless life here and now. But a life that is eternal. This is what Paul was talking about in the epistle that we heard today from Romans. When he talked about we and all all creation are, are groaning. Groaning, waiting to be released from our bondage to decay. Waiting for the day of the harvest to come. Waiting for when the weeds will finally be separated out and burned. That day will come. But until that day, it will be a struggle. For us, for our children, and for their children, the weeds will be plentiful, the weeds will be big, and the weeds will be strong. But Paul offers us words of hope too. He says that as bad as it may get, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And this too, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. You do not live or fight alone. And the Spirit is interceding for you, praying for you, bringing you and your needs before the Father in heaven. So that means that Christians never get lost in the weeds. If your heavenly father knows how many hairs are on your head, and he does, he also knows and sees each and every good plant growing among those weeds. So God doesn't just leave you among the weeds and then wish you the best. Not pulling the weeds doesn't mean ignoring the good plants. He gives you his spirit to strengthen you and help you to grow you among and in spite of the weeds. He waters you in baptism. He lifts you up with his absolution, with his forgiveness. He strengthens you with his word. And he feeds you with the body and blood of Jesus. He doesn't leave the weeds because he doesn't care about you. He leaves the weeds because he does. He doesn't want to hurt you in the process. But he's far from a hands-off God. He came in the flesh for you to save you, to provide all you need. And he still is. So the good news here is not that God is going to pull all the weeds in this world and in your life and make it easier for you. But just like we heard last week, that despite all there is that is trying to hinder the kingdom of God, despite Satan and all his weeds, 
there is still a harvest. Satan will ultimately fail. Jesus rose, and so will we. God will have his harvest. So we prayed earlier in the Collect of the Day, O God, so rule and govern our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that ever mindful of your final judgment, we may be stirred up to holiness of living here and dwell with you in perfect joy hereafter. So ever mindful of your final judgment, that is, Focusing not on the weeds here and now, but looking to the future. Knowing that judgment and salvation, that day of separation is coming. Ever mindful of your final judgment, we be stirred up to holiness of living here and now. Stirred up to holiness of living, not because we don't know what's going to happen. And so in, in the end, I, I, I better be good now. No. It's exactly the opposite of that. That's, it's because I know the end and how it's all going to turn out. Because I know Jesus' tomb is empty and he is risen from the dead. Because I hear that verdict that I am forgiven and so not guilty here every Sunday. Because I am baptized and so a child of God. Because God has given me his spirit. Because Jesus feeds me with his own body and blood. Therefore, I can live now. I can live among the weeds. I do not have to be afraid. The victory has already been won and given to me. This is the joy that we have that is already ours. To live now in joyful and loving service to others. Even to the weeds who are persecuting us. Now, you may not be happy about that. You probably aren't. But you can still be joyful. And I ran across an explanation of this when I was preparing for our Wednesday night Bible study this week. So if you attended that, you've heard this already. But I thought it hit the nail on the head, this definition of what's the difference between happiness and joy. It is this. Happiness is determined by what is going on around us. Joy is determined by what is going on inside us. So what's going on around us is the weeds, which doesn't make us very happy. But what's going on inside of us is Jesus and his spirit, which brings us joy. Joy even in the midst of unhappy, challenging Weeds. So what to do then? Stay in the word. You need his strength. Speak the truth. Sow good seeds. Teach your children. Young tender sprouts are more susceptible to being choked by the weeds. Hear how much God loves you and not just a little 
how much he loves you and how much you need to hear that. So be here faithfully to hear the absolution, to hear the gospel, to feed on Jesus' body and blood, to grow in his grace and be patient, which is hard. We want the weeds out now. We want the end to come now. But God is patient, not wanting any to be lost, but all to be saved. So that no matter how many weeds are growing around you, no matter how strong they look, no matter how many or overwhelming they may be, know that the victory, your victory, has already been won. The future for the weeds is the fire. Your future is life. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.